Welcome. I am Rayanne Hall, and this is The Optimistic Choice. Today's guest is Jeremy Tank, and the topic is overcoming depression from the loss of a loved one. Welcome, Jeremy. Thanks, Rayanne. I'm happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you, and I'm just honored that you'd, you'd take this opportunity, you know, and be a little vulnerable about talking about that depression. You know, we know strength comes from vulnerability and sharing and putting out there, putting light to it, not suppressing it. So I just applaud you for um, picking this topic, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your backstory? Sure. Uh, I've, I've got kind of a unique backstory. Um, I've been an artist all my life, um, and I self-identify as artist. Uh, and I, I remember when my dad first realized that I had real artistic talent and he was simply blown away. And it was because I just drew a picture of a sailboat and he recognized the sailboat that we had seen a couple of days before. So he was suddenly like, oh my gosh, you, you actually can do something with your talents. All right. <laughs> You've got talent. Boy. Right. <laughs> um, and, and being an artist to me just means living in creativity and imagination and really embracing vision and intuition where others can't really see beyond um, daily life and their struggles. Oh, yeah. So to me, it's kind of a way of life. What a way um, to put that. Well said. Thank you. Uh, so I grew up as an artist. I went to art high schools. Um, and then in 2000, uh, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in design. And I chose design because it applied a form to my creativity and my artistic intention. And my mom also chose design for me because it provides a stable living. Yes. <laughs> so it's sort of like making everybody happy while moving forward at the same time. And utilizing your talents, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, so in the last 20 years, I've designed logos and TV commercials and packaging, billboards, websites, trade shows, um, tchotchkes. I, you pretty much, you name it, and I've, I've designed it in one form or another for somebody. Um, and then in 2017, I went back and I earned my master's degree in design, and then I opened my own brand agency. And... Yeah. Uh, and that was that was a huge huge thing for me. It was fantastic to to experience um, twenty years between earning a bachelor's degree and a master's degree and having all of that experience of life um, changed how I how I understood a master's program and changed how I thought about everything. And that's it. Really uh, added a whole layer to how I saw the world. I can see that. And I've been to some of your exercises, a couple of the um, activities that you did about helping us look at our business in a different way and how to do branding and the creativity you bring to it. I literally mean it. You are a creative genius and you bring oh, that you. out in others. I was so excited and jazzed when I left that because like you got me thinking in all these different ways. And I love the way you see the world. And anyway, just Think the world of you, Jeremy. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, well, oh, did you want to say something else first? Well, I, I was going to say the 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 latest thing because I, I believe in constant growth. I believe in always trying to take the next steps of things. Um, yes. And and last year during lockdown, I actually uh, took an online program and started the process of, of becoming a hypnotherapist. Oh, is that right? Oh, wonderful. Yep. 
So I could at, do that with you. That would be a good move. It, you know, it, it ties into the things I believe about branding and being true to yourself and really um, believing in yourself and moving yourself forward and, and unco of uncovering those unconscious beliefs to really help yourself. So oh, yeah. one and more so tool. Absolutely, because so much of our creativity is blocked by stuff that's in our subconscious. Yeah. And we have to deal with it to get into our conscious and our creativity, I think. So I can see the connection there. At least that's how it feels for me. You're like absolutely done, right. Yeah. I've done hypnotherapy work because of um, trauma in my childhood and stuff. And um, they, the more we can clear out the stuff that's in our subconscious and that's kind of nagging at us that we don't even realize, the more it opens up our future and being present and um, being able to deal with it because our mind is working on it whether we know it or not and well, sometimes here, it's just here, sitting stagnant there here, here's the funny thing you know there's so much that we pick up in our youth that we never realize there's so much training in how we think and why we think and the way we perceive everything about the world that is from before you're before okay before you're ever born you uh -huh. are you are being influenced by the outside world and, and the emotions of your parents and your mother in particular and then after you're born till about the age seven you just are a sponge absorbing everything about the world and that stuff creeps up even now as an adult and the thing is that you speak to yourself in your head way more than you'd ever talk to anybody else and all of that stuff that you hear in your head influences how you how you live your life absolutely oh absolutely our thoughts really do so much and and um you know sometimes negative thoughts come up we shouldn't beat ourselves up about it process it and go through it and get to a place where you can actually formulate the more productive um, thoughts that are going to propel you forward, right? Yes, absolutely. You have to deal with those um, negativity or, you know, little, what do you call them, minions that come around, <laughs> you know, the darkness that comes sometimes clouds over us. And we have to see it for what it is and, and, and not just give into it. But experience it heal yeah. it i always talk about feel it heal it and then get to a place where you can be productive with it and um and increase your optimism which is kind of the whole reason i started this uh podcast they called it the optimistic choice because we have a choice how to deal with those difficulties and you know we got to feel them i'm not saying we just go right to a place where we're oh we're super hyper and excited about it there's really actually a middle ground where you're optimistic but you're not on hyper mode because you can't sustain that either you know there's also a thing called positivity toxicity and i'm not trying to promote that at all just trying to increase our optimism level and celebrate people who use optimism to overcome their adversities you know but anyway i i feel like this conversation's already been a wealth of information from you but <laughs> i want to get into your experience and I, I am sorry you know to hear about the loss of your mom i think you said that your mom Losing your mom kind of started this depression or kicked it in or something. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, as a foundation, just so that everybody can hear and can kind of understand, uh, I, I grew up in Phoenix, and yeah. Arizona, and I moved to the Seattle area in 2013. And uh, people talk about seasonal affective disorder, SAD. Yeah. And the first few years here were not so bad, but it was very, it's, it's very strange how the longer that I've lived here, the more it's felt sort of like, well, like marshmallow clouds pressing down on me. Yes. And 
in 2017 when I was going through my master's program. Um, and actually, I, when I started my master's program, my mom ended up in the hospital with congestive heart failure. And she, she made it through August of that year as I was working through the program. And I was living up here and she was in Phoenix. And uh, I, I commuted a couple times to just be with her and spend time with her. Um, but she never got to see me graduate with my master's degree. Oh. And she has always been my biggest fan and my, my, my greatest supporter. Oh, and yeah. it was just a huge, huge hit to me. I'm sure. Um, and I, and if you, I, I don't know if you've lost a parent, other people lose parents. Um, I, I heard at the time, you know, you'll be fine. You'll get out, you start doing your things. And then two years from now, it's going to hit you like a freight train. And that, that's actually kind of what happened to me. Uh, um, in, in November of 2019, uh, two, years, two years after we held her celebration of life, my mom never believed in having the huge big funeral and sad things. She wanted a celebration of life. And so we literally rented a, a park picnic table and put up balloons. And I made this picture of her, um, this artistic interpretation of her, her life and her essence. Um, and we had it catered with tacos and played loud music in the park and we danced and shared yeah. stories. Um, oh, beautiful. That was the sort of thing she wanted. Um, and, and in November, 2019, uh, I just, it hit me really, really hard. And at, at that point, my business was struggling and my wife was fresh out of doctor school and she was starting her acupuncture business. So she was stressed and overwhelmed. Sure. And I just really wanted, <laughs> it sounds silly, but I wanted my mom. <laughs> yes. Here yeah. I am a 40 year old man. I'm like, I really want my mom. I just want to be able to talk with her and share these experiences and get advice and, and talk to somebody. Yeah. And um, what happened is I spiraled. I spiraled down hard. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. What kind of helped you when you were going down? Did What helped you give you a spark to kind of keep hanging on and going forward? Um, <clears throat> you know, I started, I started reading again. <laughs> okay. there, there, there was a point in my master's program um, where I just, it was book after book after book and project after project after project and reports. And it was it was the process of, of reading and absorbing and engaging and putting that to use right away and, and using the things that I was reading. And so I actually went back to that process um, in a big way. And I started with easy, <laughs> easy books, you know, quote unquote, easy books. Um, so I read like Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like something my mom always liked to read that she was always inspired by. Okay, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Um, and, and I listened to music that my mom loved. So like Jonathan Livingston Siegel by Neil Diamond, the soundtrack. Like I, I just sort of kept her and her energy, her feeling close to me and oh, started wonderful. reading more. Um, so I, I, after that, I read Siddhartha and oh. um, got this sort of Buddhist Hindu journey of, of okay life and energy um and then i read my mom's two books that she wrote which are um i'm not religious i'm a spiritual person and journey of the spirit ones and it's it very much a spiritual journey kind of emerging out of that and they that made me feel close to her and supported oh um, that's, that's beautiful 
thanks. Yeah. And and from there, actually, I started this this very interesting journey. Um, I discovered uh, a guy named Joe Dispenza, who wrote the book Becoming Supernatural, and which is all about um, your emotions influencing your biology and how if you kind of put some distance between the emotions and what ends up being like the, the literal uh, physical limbic brain and our responses to the moments and our responses through emotion and put some space between that and the prefrontal cortex, which is the logic centers and really reflecting on that, how it affects our biology and our health. And that led me to another book, The Biology of Belief, which is talking about the same thing, but on a cellular level, how your emotions drive your cellular health. And that led me to another one, Mind to Matter by Dawson Church, which is all about your thoughts influencing your reality, influencing like your body's energy and how you approach the world and how other people respond to that. And that led me You're to kind of twins, right? The very much in your thoughts. You got to work with both of them to get you going in the right direction. But keep going. It led you to where? That, that led me to the book called The Tao of Trauma, which is all about um, overcoming the experiences of life through the lens of, of Eastern philosophy. And that's, you know, my wife is an acupuncturist. So it's a lot of Eastern philosophy when we talk about things in our house. Uh -huh. um, but, but this Tao of trauma was like, look, you, when you, all of these experiences, all these things you go through as a young person, they sort of hold like little energy pockets within your body. And as you go through life, you kind of hit those pockets and you either release this energy and move through it. Um, kind of like you were talking about earlier, you know, when you face these things, you can, you can hold on to it and hold really tight. Um, but that doesn't necessarily help you. And if you kind of work through it and release it, exactly. then you can get back to the point of optimism, back to the point of, of openness and curiosity and imagination. Yeah. Um, it's like, you gotta get it. You got something that sparks a little bit of hope in you and it leads to optimism. And then it leads to more joy and fulfillment in life and, and working through it and taking all that you went through as a learning experience because that's that's what this life is is constant learning experiences we grow and develop and evolve but what else were you going to say oh uh, from there um I, I just started this chain of the next book that would pop up and, and grab my attention and i would just go through that one too um, i read a book called um reality transurfing that is really all about setting your perspective and setting your perception of reality and framing things in a way that it brings you much more joy on a daily basis on a moment to moment basis um i read the power of now by eckhart tolle oh yeah uh, Good one. great book um gosh I, I just started really absorbing these things and, and applying the same kind of tools for my master's program this design thinking of okay i see how i I really believe in reading books because I feel like it, it's a first person perspective of, of life. It's telling you and, and really programming you in a deep way. And so in a lot of ways, I felt like I was retraining my brain to be a much more positive person. And, and it also allowed me to view my mom in a very reverential way, in a very loving way, and to move forward with her thoughts within me and still, you know, keep going. It kind of it kind of propelled you forward. It sounds like that it, was kind of how you dealt with the trauma and and how you were propelled forward through it. Is connecting absolutely. you were in gaining, seeing, remembering her wisdom, feeling that around you. It feels like, and then also gaining the wisdom of all these incredible people and the, what they've written and applying what's resonated with you. You know, and using the things. I love that you turn to your knowledge to get you through it and to to. Um, 
you know, open yourself up to new ideas and ways to, to keep going. You didn't give into it. You didn't give up, but you experienced it and you explored it. I just love that. Did, would you say that optimism played a role at all in you moving forward? Well, a absolutely. Um, the, the really interesting thing about, um, particularly Dawson Church and, and uh, Bruce Lipton and uh, Dispenza is they, they very much believe in the neurons. It's, it's a very much a, a material view of the world, but bigger than that too. Like, look, if when you tell your neurons, choose an optimistic view, and, and it very much is a choice. It's very much a framing of things. Like everybody can yeah. see things differently, but it's that recognition that everybody sees things differently and it's your individual choice. Um, and a lot of people, that's a hard thing to hear because they're they're not ready to see that perception. Um, but the optimism yeah. is the choice in any situation. You can, you can view it optimistically. You can view it pessimistically. You yeah. can view it as a dog might see it. Okay, let's go forward. Let's go for a walk. I mean, really, you can choose any perspective that you really want to see and, and go with it. But the optimism, when you fire those neurons in your brain, the more that you fire those, the stronger it wires them together. And the stronger it wires them together, it actually releases um, proteins into your body that tell your cells, look, we're happy, we're energetic, we're feeling good about the world. And then the cells perform better. And then your metabolism speeds up. And then you start feeling better about the world. And then <laughs> you, the more you see happiness everywhere in other people. And when you see that happiness in other people, you have these special neurons in your head called mirror neurons so you actually feel happier because of the choice you made that you're starting to see around you and yeah. this is that cycle that 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 people who haven't perceived that yet who haven't made these choices it's very difficult to see because they literally haven't made their brain the neurons connect in a way that opens them up for the possibilities exactly and they're stuck in it that life is hard and it's, they're pessimistic and they celebrate that they're pessimistic because they're just being real but um, it's it's about getting from that negative view. And like you said, strengthening the neural pathways. You know, laughter yoga is a great thing to do too because it releases the endorphins and it gets your body going in your cells and all of that. It actually oxygenates your body. Yeah. So I found that to help me when I'm feeling down because I definitely have my down days. I mean, I'm not always like, ah, you know, um, I, but I want to live more optimistically because I feel better. And I know that I'm attracting more goodness in my life. I don't want to live life where I'm thinking of everything pessimistically because that brings me down. And I'm, I want to be happy. I'm a happy person. I like to laugh. I like to have joy. And uh, all the things that you just said help you get there, you know, and one thing leads to the next, like you were saying. And um, I, love, I love the way you described it. It's different than anyone I've ever talked to. I love it. It's just so cool. I'm going to definitely listen to this again and hear it and gain wisdom from it. Do you have any gratitude for the experience that you went through, you know, as far as I know you're still going through it too, right? It's a process. It's not like you end with it when it's a death. It's, sometimes it's a long process. But do you have when, any gratitude for this experience? I, I I certainly have gratitude for the experience. When you when anyone loses someone close, at first, it's a tidal wave every single day. It hits you at, at random times you don't know, and then over time it's every other day, and then every other week, and then eventually it's it's just uh, swells of waves. Um, but again, it's the framing that loss 
those waves, that the tremendous emotion there, it's about, I choose to perceive that as the deep love and respect that I have, that I have still for my mother and yeah. for her perspective of life. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that she wrote a couple of books that honestly are, are very um, inspiring to me that talk about believing in the truths inside of myself and, and choosing, you know, this, this very conversation, she, she's believed about all of this and, um, and the power of choice and optimism and life and positive words and positive images. Um, I, I grew up with that stuff, but somewhere along the way, it just got harder for me. And I am so grateful for this experience because it led me back to back to positive affirmation, back to positive thought, back to positive thinking, back to a place where I can acknowledge the difficulty of life because life is going to kick you every now and again. That's life. That's what it yeah. does. But when yeah. we choose to see those as growth and learning experiences, um, I, I can't help but be grateful for everything I go through. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And it, and it reconnected you to her and it re it sparked that spirituality that your mom taught you about. Like she's, what did she say? One of her books is um, spirituality, not religion or I'm, right. I, I'm not religious. Not I'm a spiritual person. Yeah. And I think that that's true. Even for the religious people who really have a love of Christ or whatever Buddha or whatever it is, um, you know, they really do have that spirituality there. But sometimes when you get stuck with the stringent things of a religion, if that buries it, then that spirituality goes away. And I feel like that's what we're all trying for is the spirituality, because that's what sticks with you. And that that reaches you to get, getting hope, right? Absolutely. Um, that spirituality. I just, I, I want to read her book because I really connect with that spirituality part. Um, even though I go to church, um, really what I'm you looking can, for is a feeling of spirituality there and increasing my, my spirit God connection. Right. And that's sort of like the Holy Spirit, like invite it into yourself exactly. and feel it within yourself. Um, there's the difference between what you're being told from the outside versus that feeling inside. And that that is regardless of religion. I know plenty of Christians yeah. that are waiting for that spirit to fill them. But again, I, I kind of feel like it's that optimism that everything else, look, you have to make the choice to allow it into your life and to perceive it in your life. And that's yeah. when it starts to fill you. Yeah. And that's what we're looking for. I think regardless of whatever religion you are, and I know people who are judgmental about other religions, and I really don't get that because I feel like that dims your light. And oh, whether absolutely. you believe in God or Buddha or what, you know, whatever it is, we're all searching for peace and inner strength and that connection that makes us come alive and, and a greater purpose. What were you going to say though? Uh, I was raised, um, I would say more Presbyterian than anything, but uh -huh. my mom, my mom actually had a doctoral um, degree in in like theology in in religion so she studied all these different religions and tried to bring all the different ideas and concepts and she she really felt that there was a common core of of love and honoring each other and respect in in, in all of these things um, and I tend to actually go down a little bit more Buddhist route these days because I see you were talking about judgment and there is a lot of internal judgment internal contrast, internal comparison. Am I better than this person? Am I better than than this group? Um, and that to me is um, 
a deep core of Buddhism of recognizing when we judge, we are creating distance between ourselves and others, yep. like we're building a wall. And every time we, we do that, we're pushing others away from ourselves instead of embracing each other. And, you know, instead of hugging humanity, we're pushing yeah. each other away. And, exactly. and it's the judgment, this contrast. And the problem is that our caveman brains work on contrast. Our caveman brains, our limbic brains, are always looking for what's familiar, what's safe, and whatever is different, whatever is highest level of contrast, that's dangerous. That's, yeah. that, that's something to stay away from. And when we hear everybody making these judgments and critiques, that is that caveman brain that honestly just needs to embrace it and, and hugged out. It just needs yeah. to be hugged out. <laughs> yeah, you know, we can respect each other for our different views on how we get there. But the human experience is connection, regardless of all the different religions we're in. We're really, you know, especially those who are reading the Bible, it's love one another and right? um, judge not that you be judged. And community. You know, and and that means don't, you know, it's interesting because I know a lot of people want to say, you know, my church is the only way, but, and, and that's okay, have that conviction, but don't lose the connection with other people because we're about loving one another. And, and um, I love it when people show up with compassion first. I feel like that, you know, cause I believe in Christ. So I feel like that's what he did, but um, <clears throat> we're all trying to get to that place where human to human, we're uplifting one another, regardless of, you know, your um, path there, we have to honor and respect each other. We're all in this human experience together and we're all looking for that meaning. And if we can respect each other in it and agree to disagree on the details, but have the human experience where we're uplifting each other and we're respecting each other and having coming from a place of mutual respect, we'd have a lot more peace in the world if we showed up with compassion first. You know, I thought about writing a book on that, like all the people that have shown up with compassion first, because that, that deepens it. So um, one thing that was really interesting on, on this sort of journey I've been on is I, I kind of had to find a good definition of compassion for myself okay. because, oh, because I feel like there's a lot of words that people use. And this is that branding side of me. This is that marketing side of me. What is the word and what does it actually mean to people? And then what does it mean to me? And how do I find the connection between those two meanings? And compassion was, was one of those words that I understood compassion from a, a general logical point of view, but I don't think I understood the essence of compassion until I heard a story from, uh, I think it was Ram Das, And he said that when he was meditating, his guru came to him and he said, he said to his guru, I, I've been meditating for hours and days and, and months at this point, and I don't feel like I'm doing it right. And how should I be meditating? And his guru said, and bearing in mind, this is like a Buddhist Hindu guru. And he says, you need to meditate like Christ. And then he closed his eyes, the guru closed his eyes and meditated for about 15 minutes until tears started rolling down his face. And then he opened his eyes and he said, with compassion, just open compassion for all of humanity. And to me that recognizing that this human condition that we suffer so much and we compare and we judge and we feel so bad about ourselves and, and we push everyone away and just the compassion to sit and be quiet and feel 
feel that discomfort and feel how sad so many people are and they're struggling so hard and to recognize that and just and again I just want to hug it out <laughs> yeah exactly well and you know you touched on something earlier too when you were talking about none of us are better than the other and that's really knowing your value because my value and your value it's the same we, the person who's homeless and the person who's up on the hill overlooking the water, the value, the intrinsic value of that human being inside their it's soul. It's the same. It's the same value. Yeah. One of them's maybe honoring and working harder and getting, you know, whatever. One of them struggling maybe with other things, but the value of each person is the same. Well, and, and then we get that you treat each other better, I think. And we talked about earlier um, how as we grow up, we're, we're conditioned with certain mindsets, certain thoughts, certain things by society, by our parents, just by the, the sake of being raised. Imagine if if all of that raising was was the same. Imagine if we had that like this open, supportive, compassionate way of of raising yeah. adults today. And I think if that were the case, we would see the value between people very much more equally because we would we would have that empathy, we would have that compassion to understand each other's struggles. Yeah. And, and that whole being kind would come quicker, much quicker. And, and kindness breathes, breathes love, breathes, you know, just good, good feelings breed good feeling, you know, like, um, anyway, it, this is just really great. I, I really enjoy talking to you. I, <laughs> I do know that you've achieved a lot of success. I mean, you've, you have a master's degree and now you're getting a degree in hypnotherapy. Has optimism played a role in any of your success? In in the case of optimism, there, uh, I feel like it's it's visualizing what that outcome looks like for me, and that's something because of my creativity, because of growing up as an artist, like I can imagine pretty much anything, (laughs) and then okay, what are the steps I have to take? But it's it's the confidence, optimism, the choice of optimism recognizes that regardless of the turmoil around me, I'm still taking individual steps on my path to whatever future that is. Yeah. And what I, whatever I choose for that path to be, right? Yeah. And so optimism tells me, look, we can make it happen. It's going to happen. Sometimes it's going to take a little bit longer or shorter. I'm not God. I can't see everything in the universe happening, but I have to be optimistic that things will work in my favor. And as long as I view whatever's happening with a positive frame, things will continue to evolve down the path that I choose. So that visualization is an optimistic view of the world. Yeah. And it's attracting more of that to you, right? Because you're opening yourself up to it and you're inviting it and you're saying, okay, there's a path, show it to me universe or God or whatever. (laughs) The the law of attraction, the law of resonance says, you know, what we think about, what we move towards is actively moving towards us because that seems to be how things work in the world. Has there ever been a time where that's happened to you, where you've you've actually noticed that optimism coming back and showing up in your life? Like, <laughs> uh, <up> to you? <laughs> let's see. When I bought my first house, um, I, I was going to be uh, homeless and out of an apartment, and I'm like, I'm I'm just going to find a place that's going to show up right in front of me, and it did. Uh, before okay. I before I bought my first car, a year before I bought my first car, which was a VW uh, Beetle, one of those new Beetles in like 2001. Oh yeah. I, I bought a. a small remote controlled toy of a beetle 
and I ended up buying the exact car that I was playing with. And when I when I when I got my car after that, a uh, Ford, uh, not Ford, a Honda Element. I again, I bought a little tiny toy of it for a about a year. I played with it, and then I bought pretty much that exact car. Um, so I, I I like to program my head with these ideas, these visions. Okay, this is kind of what I want, and then. I optimistically just assume it's going to come into my life at some point. And in the meantime, I like playing with toys and playing with models that reinforce this vision in my head because I, I realized at some point that the brain doesn't really know the difference between the past, the present, and the future when it's thinking about things. And so yeah. I tell my brain, nope, this is my car. This is my car. I, I own this toy, little toy model, but it'll be my car someday. And then I feel like I feel like I just get it because that's the direction I move in. Oh, I just love that. That's so great. And it's that manifestation, you know, that optimism, that spark is really getting you to open yourself up to manifest it for you. Absolutely. I actually had a physical toy that, you know, ended up becoming your car. I just love how literal and detailed it was. Well, in, in my houses, what I love to do is draw plans on paper of kind of what I would like. And then it gives me an idea when I go and look at other places is this right for me? Does it feel like it meets all the specifications that I drew on paper, all the things I wrote down that I wanted? Yeah. Um, it's, it's using those ideas in a positive way as I step forward. Yeah. Oh, I just love that. That's so great. Well, before this has really has been amazing. Before I go to my final thoughts, do you have anything else you want to share or no, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> okay, you, we, said, we said a lot for sure. And I've really enjoyed it. I always like to end with final thoughts. And it's just the first thing that comes to your mind. So happiness is? Happiness is a choice. Yes. Uh, ha happiness is, is not automatic. It doesn't just happen. We have to kind of prepare the way and open the space and invite it. And then and make that choice to see it. Yes. And resilience means? <sighs> you know, that's a tough one um, right now with, with the pandemic and all of that. Um, and I think right now, resilience is a buzzword for 2021. And resilience to me means adaptability. Um, because... That is really it, good. It, it, things things keep changing and, and we know that we can keep moving on our path and if we can choose the happiness in each moment as we move forward and adapt as the world keeps throwing us left and right um, yeah. then we can continue on our, our path and it's just yeah adaptability and not give up on the American dream and all the things that you not know, give up on any of it because we're strong we're strong absolutely we're huge bumps <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and the first thing you notice about people is? First thing I notice about people is their energy, mm. actually. Like, where are they focused? What are they doing? Are they excited? Are they, are they, are they focused on me or are they focused on their cell phone? Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, that's a big thing for me these days is where are you putting your energy? Where are you, where are you really focused? I like that. And what are three habits that improve life? Um, three habits that improve life. Uh, number one, I think you'll like this one, play. Yes. I, I believe heavily in play. Um, and, and play for me sometimes is just coloring and coloring books. I'm a 41-year-old man. I love coloring and coloring books because it's play, it's imagination, it's curiosity, it's making pictures. I love that. Yeah. Um, two, I would say meditation. 
meditation yeah. is very important. Um, I, I think for, for life, for a lot of people, because that caveman brain is so active and the more studies are done, the more we realize that meditation really um, calms and centers the brain in a way that no other activity does. So I, I think it's super important. Um, and then three, um, hugs. Yeah. I, I, I miss get back to that. <laughs> I, I miss hugs right now in, in such a big way. And humans are such social creatures and really touch is necessary for us as a species. Touch creates healing and yeah. hugs are extremely healing. And I, I'm afraid that, that, uh, the lack of hugging right now is, is not good for humanity. <laughs> <laughs> no, these air hugs, you know, I just try to feel and imagine it because, yeah, I agree. Um, well, if you could have lunch with anyone who, you know, besides families, they can be alive or not, who would that be? You know, I used to add, I used to ask this question on first dates when I was single because oh, I, always, I always loved the, the, like, it says so much about the person and their view of life. Yeah. Um, and and I used to always answer Gandhi because I thought I, I thought he was such a great leader and, and peaceful and educated and inspirational. Um, and lately, though, I'm, I'm sorry, Gandhi. Lately, I'm going to have to say uh, Tesla. I'm I've really been learning more about Nikola Tesla, and there's so many rumors about his life and the 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 knowledge he professed to have that my curiosity is peaked, and I would totally choose him right now. Oh, very cool. That's a unique one. And we know that we hope we have a long time ahead of us, but when we do eventually die and when you do pass away, how do you want to be remembered? Okay, let me see. I'm just, I'm just uh, picturing it in my head. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm dead. Ah, I'm dead. Okay. <laughs> ah. uh, so if I'm, if I'm, if I'm gone and, and people are remembering me, they are remembering me as a brilliant and generous man, yes. uh, a kind and exceptionally wealthy benefactor and inspirational influencer of millions of people, <laughs> um, a good friend, a, a positive source of energy, of laughter, community. Um, that's how I want to be remembered. Oh, yes, absolutely. I love that. And at the end of the day, life is? What you make of it. It really is. I really enjoyed this time, Jeremy. How can people get in touch with you for, you're doing hypnotherapy right now, right? Not the branding? I, I'm actually, here's the thing. I, I'm doing branding that wraps the hypnotherapy into it. So I help, I'm really transforming lives right now as people start to build their business and really build the mindset with the hypnotherapy to build the business in the way that grows their business in a huge way. So combining these two talents is really, really, really effective. And everyone listening, he is really talented at this. I mean it, you're a creative genius and I know that I, I can see that hypnotherapy would be a really good fit for you too. So how do they get a hold of you, a website or? Yeah, they can find me, they can find me at uh, thinktankcreative.net. Thinktankcreative.net. So think, think me, thinktankcreative.net. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Tank. Think yep. tank. Okay, I love that. All right. Well, thank you again, Jeremy. And I hope you have a wonderful day, everyone out there. Keep making the optimistic choice.